banter right now is all about who the world revolves around and it actually revolves around the sport project in a total group, I'd have to say. Chris, Sasha, he's not here, but Carlo is. <laughs> oh, I love that. Do you know what? I really look forward to your opening uh, spiel. It's Do always you? fun. So it's Which always, one, where did that one this, take you? Yeah, that was good. That was good. That was no. good because, you know, Sasha, we said Sasha and he wasn't even here. Like, Listen, what, if, what I was, missed? if I was a betting man, I'd have a punt on you getting it wrong at least four times out of six. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least this is the 2% where I got it right. So that wasn't too bad. Yeah, apart from the people that are here. No, well, it's still part of the, like, that's just the normal routine of where I go on who's here. It's normally like I go on the rotation around the TV screens and I just, I just like on. to sh- I just like to start on a positive, you know, because you did get someone's name wrong last week. As well, Who's no, Carissa. Wrong? Carissa. Carissa. Oh, yeah. We've only <laughs> been doing the show for two years. Charisma. Charisma. I've never met you before. You're just a man. You're a figment of my imagination in in the screens. That's because Chris is all the way down in Melbourne. Carlo is down in Wollongong, and I'm here in Sydney. Sasha is nowhere to be seen because unfortunately he's had a massive day at work today, so I won't be making the show. So well, he will be missed. We'll miss his useless facts. No, he won't. No, he will not. Because <laughs> all he'll do is sit there and abuse me because he can roam freely around the Gold Coast, and I'm allowed one hour, actually two hours now, out of my oh. house down in Victoria. Ooh, two hours. Two yeah. hours. It I rained today, so we because couldn't go anywhere. In Melbourne, I thought it was only a 5k radius, and I've just seen you peddling around in your lycra a lot. Are you just cutting laps of the same block, or? Yeah, I, I, I mean, I just put my lycra on, jump on the bike, take a picture, come home. I normally. Uh, <laughs> just feels nice, doesn't it, Chris? Do you know what I mean? It does. The it does. Rough, yeah, there's some, some the weird about feeling. it. It's the, yeah, it's it's the padding in your gusset that I kind of yeah, like. Yeah, I love that. Love it. Yeah. There's I, nothing, um, nothing I think, wrong I think with the rough ride. Told me, I think my driver told me my last ride was about 382 metres. <laughs> Not elevate, distance. Do yeah. you have one of those, um, what are they called? Like the trainers where you can set your bike up on it, put your computer screen up. They're really expensive. You've huh? got everything else in your gym. And how have you not, if anyone's listening, that the two listeners that listen to this show, uh, if anyone can throw Smithy one of those trainers for home, for tracks. his home gym. Right, they're about $1,500 each. The are tracks, you mad? I've got the three kids here. Wahoo. They made the, they'll start sticking, put, putting sticks in the spokes <laughs> of the fucking wheel hoping I'll fall off. They, I don't trust these kids with anything like that. <laughs> nope. Oh. No, thank you. Thank you, company, but keep it. <laughs> well, uh, it looks like you're you're pretty much extended in lockdown down there, although you've got the two hours, you're going to be locked in for a wee while down there, Smithy. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it wasn't good news. Uh, dictator Daniel Andrews, Daniel the Spaniel, all, all the various nicknames that he's got. He didn't deliver what I wanted. No. It, it was kind of, it was it was nearly as disappointed as Nature Strip on the weekend. It was <laughs> yeah, look, I'm, again, I'm glad I was moving all weekend and did not put any bets on that you threw at me. Yeah, well, look, uh, no, the other one won. The other one won, but I said Nature Strip was a license to print money. And, and maybe yeah. that was, I even used the sure M word. I, I used the M word, the morale. It's, it's immoral. Don't worry about it, it's one. And yeah. um, same thing happened again. G-Trash beat it last year, first up, same race. And uh, G-Trash beat it again this year. But very, very disappointing performance from a nature strip. Uh, I know I, I know. I was watching the TAB, one punter had 300,000 on it at $1.40. Wow. So can you imagine that's the, that's, that's, that's the worst 60 seconds of his life? Again. Watch that. Again, yeah. <laughs> he's, he's probably doubled up from the 150 he had on last year. You know? <laughs> <laughs> nature strip stands him at a, an apartment somewhere now. 
Oh. Yeah, it, it wasn't good, but no, uh, dangerous Daniel. He's uh, put us in lockdown another stage four, two weeks on top of the six weeks already, which we're five weeks into. So there's wow. three weeks at that. Um, and then it still doesn't look to ease unless his unrealistic attempt at numbers that he wants to see it at, then he will start easing restrictions. But I, What's I that, think, zero? Uh, I would be uh, shocked, surprised, and very disappointed if someone, i.e. Scott Morrison, didn't interject and, and demand for people's mental health and business businesses that are sinking and livelihoods that are going that that this isn't changed you yeah. know it's a it's a it's a very very sad situation down here but hopefully the processors don't uh, get out again this week and give him even more reason well i've just heard on the grapevine as well that they're sending a, a squad over to new south wales to see how they're doing it so well yeah so i've just i've just heard that in the news so um, we're yeah. doing it so well well that's 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 what <laughs> that's what's just been said new uh. south wales are apparently uh, doing it that uh, that good that they're gonna send a send some people down just to see how they're doing it so they can uh, bring it back to, to Victoria I was just like wow mm. don't they pick up phones have they not got a phone have they not got Zoom what do you need to come down to New South Wales for so we can give <laughs> you some virus <laughs> <laughs> Oh, mate. nice. <laughs> All right. Well, we've got a, a smallish, not a bigish show uh, ahead of us tonight. Uh, again, as I said, Sash is missing, so our American sports are very light on. But we do have a little bit of a golf, AFL, glamour models getting inside the bubble. Uh, we've got a lot of rugby league content in there as well, too, and just a little bit of boxing to whet the appetite. So don't forget, if you follow us on Instagram, uh, tell your friends about it, get around us. Uh, Instagram, like, share, subscribe to us on all the podcast platforms, just basically tell everyone you know we're seeing walking down the street obviously in their two hours of uh, exercise in Melbourne you'll be able to let uh, everyone know while they're there so mm. from your safe distance Smithy from your safe distance uh, but Dustin Johnson golf championship and FedEx championship not too shabby for the uh, the big hitter Smithy take a bow Dustin <laughs> Johnson in a in a year of absolute turmoil where we actually th- never thought golf would get back up and running again but the PGA right across the world have done an incredible job of getting it back up and running and yeah Dustin Johnson that was inducted into the Golf Hall of Fame. The only thing that was missing from his resume, which is a very impressive resume, was a FedEx Championship. And um, and, and he, he clinched that this weekend. He, he won the championship. He beat um, uh, Justin Thomas, Xander Shuffle, John Ram. They was all on 18 under and 17 under, but DJ romped it on championship 21 under. He's just been wow, an absolute... It, he's been an absolute pinnacle of calm. You know, he, he's held his nerve together so well. Now, Dustin Johnson, if you do know golf is known as a long hitter but he hits he hits the ball so long so long but it's not always in the right direction however his recovery game is also really impressive so that's what's got him um, up and about but this tournament last year he went straight from this to have knee surgery on his left knee and then came back and his golf wasn't incredibly good at the start of the season. But the way he's finished it off has just been absolutely mesmerising. And uh, he's picked himself up at a, a combined $20 million payday today. Now, that we, we were talking about the golf last week and everything was like 12 over. So it's, it's yeah. a big, big change in terms of it. They're obviously on a different course. <laughs> well, he, he, won, he won the last tournament that he, uh, yeah, the last tournament that he won. He got beat by John Ram in a in a, in a putt off, sixty six foot putt beat him. But the tournament before that, he won. He, he shot eleven under. He, he sorry, he won by eleven shots. He, he was on he was on twenty nine under. It was an absolute phenomenal four days of golf. Wow, day one or two. But yeah, he's 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 just been brilliant, and no one deserves it better than he does. He went up to one of the Make a Wish Foundation kids, and um, at the tournament, he said, "I'm going to try and win this competition for you, and I'm going to try and win the FedEx Cup." 
for this young girl who's battling with cancer. So is is an absolute idol, as, as, you know, great as well effort. as a great goalie. He seems like a great bloke as well. So I'm glad that he's done that. He's picked up, yeah, 20 million. I think his purse was 6 million for the tournament and then uh, another 14 million for winning the FedEx. So happy days for DJ. Happy days for DJ. It, it will be, so there's still some big paydays out there before the end of the season. So it'd be interesting to see if he, um, he kicks on and carries on or he takes the wife away, I don't know, for a weekend somewhere. <laughs> Wait, where? <laughs> just, just a weekend. Yeah. Just a weekend. But uh, no, no, honestly, congratulations to him. He, he makes golf look very easy when he's on. When, when he's on, he's, um, there's not many people better to watch. So yeah, good on him. How good your drive going to be when you get out? I've seen you on the nets a fair bit on, on the old Insta. Well, yeah, exactly. We, we only had, uh, we've had a fair bit of rain and a bit of wind. So I put the net away. That was a birthday present from Sarah. Oh. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. So what I've done, just to keep my headspace in the right kind of frame, mm-hmm. I set it for half an hour every night when the girls go to bed and Ethan goes to bed. I'll just go outside, put the spotlight on, put my earpods in and just... Um, I was listening to Fox Sports News in preparation for tonight's show. Good well done. Son. Didn't fucking help me, but I was listening to it. <laughs> um, and then... And yeah, I, 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 just, I just swing away for half an hour. And, and it just gives me... Um, it just gives me that state of happiness. You know, I'm happy on a yep. golf course, but I can't go there. So for that half an hour, I can just drift off and be absolutely anywhere. And it gives me a good positive headspace in a shit time of the year. So I've committed to half an hour every night. I've asked the boss if I can go out for half an hour every night. She says, as long as I've done my chores and cleaned up, then yeah, I'm good to go. <laughs> <laughs> been given the nod. <laughs> hey, Chris, I was watching your Instagram and I'm just begging that one of them would just go outside of that. Um, uh, I was just laughing to myself. Come on, mate, just shank one of them just shank one of them i do not you can't if you sorry if you saw how close my um my, my driving mat is to that net it'd be pretty spectacular if you missed it i'm, I'm literally <laughs> inside could. the net i'm literally inside the net you 100 yeah, well you know it's not going to come back at you too hard when you throw it at it so no nah. that's all you normally <laughs> do on a golf course. on the bandwagon renee on the bandwagon i don't you, think i've ever seen you hit a golf ball all i've heard about you is just throwing it back onto a course I'm, so I'm very slick I'm, I've never movement. seen him hit one either. I've seen him throw it, cheat, kick it, every single thing but hit it. It's, no further he questions, Your Honour. No further questions. But, but when he does, it goes a long way. Yeah, like, all this. I've seen this hammer whacking that nail in. Get down. So. Sexual reference, Carlos. Oh, keep you it, stop that. You know you stop it. Stop it. Well, uh, we were talking about last week, um, you were really excited because there was uh, a fair chance of all the international horses coming back into play. Have they, yeah. have they hit... Hit the ground? Are we, are we going to see them trot around the park of a Melbourne Cup? No, um, providing they are still allowed, it was it was Damien O'Brien's stable who was going to uh, be allowed to bring 30 stable hands over. Now, mm-hmm. each um, each consignment of horses coming over will be 16 each. The, the the local stables have accepted the fact that they were quarantining the horses and they will look after them and, and they'll house them for various different trainers and owners from, from overseas, which is absolutely incredible. Um, they haven't arrived yet. They were due to be here, if my memory serves me, the start of October which just gives them the right to, that they'll continue to run competitively wherever they are and then they'll fly over have a couple of weeks quarantine and then a couple of weeks of trials and um, the usual way that a lot of people do it for Melbourne Cup in particular they use the Caulfield Cup as kind of a benchmark so the, the horses right. are running the benchmark and, and, and that qualify, will either, that, that, yeah they can qualify via that or they just want to give them a run on um, Australian soil so yeah fingers crossed fingers crossed that the horses still do come over as do the stable hand now the VRC are just fighting really to get this whole carnival going full stop the, right. I, 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 I still I still don't think it's 110% going through. 
Now, I mention this every time because it's an incredible stat. It really just blows my mind that this carnival has survived two world wars and it's going to be a pandemic that affects humans that's going to you know, put it in, in, in turmoil. I, I really hope it doesn't happen. I hope that Daniel the Spaniel, I do like that nickname for Daniel. <laughs> I, I, I hope Daniel the Spaniel can um, ease restrictions that we can have at least some owners and some punters and some people on track to witness one of the greatest spectacles in racing. Um, but but realistically, uh, it looks like it, if it does go ahead, it will be with a crowdless, a bit like Royal Ascot was this year, which mm. is sad. However, we are still going to get the race to go ahead. We are still keeping a lot of people in jobs. We're putting a lot of money back into the economy. So I, I, I really hope it does work. I, I really hope it does. But it's um, it's not 100%. There's just so many lives affected with it, though, as well, too. Like, I mean, most of the people that are talking about it, uh, from my point of view, I guess, are a lot of people, like the, the sort of half ass race goers, uh, are all sitting here upset because they're not able to go to the races and mm. they're all worried about it. But it's the livelihood of so many people. Like, if you look at one... One stable um, and yeah. the amount of staff that are involved there from racing managers to trainers to owners to the horses to the, the handlers to, mm. you know, there's thousands of people the per stable. Too. Yeah, and of course, yeah, the horses. Mm. And uh, like, I mean, you've got to look at their athletes as well, <laughs> um, you know, and they're, they're also money makers, which then sort of puts their lives at risk if they're not racing. They're, you know, where do they go? And, um, yeah. and that's not to pump tyres for anyone who's against the horse races and, and and whatnot, but in terms of you know, do they end up just getting put out to pastures, and we don't really see them to to be the amazing horses that they are? And mm. I don't know. There's a lot of play. Yeah. Oh, it's it's a. I've said it many many times. It's an eight billion dollar industry to to Australia. So there's there's a big understanding. Wow. There's a big there's a big understanding why it's continued throughout this whole pandemic. Mm. And I think there's only Tasmania that stopped horse racing, and the knock on effect and the effect that that had on trainers and, and jockeys and uh, like you say, stable hands, stables, owners, horses. It was it was pretty terrible it, it, it was really terrible there's um i remember a heartfelt speech from one of the from one of the trainers down in in tassie and he says how am i going to feed my kids do you know what i mean how am i going to do this is my livelihood do you know and you're yeah. taking it away now they, they, they practice incredible safety measures in order to keep yeah. all this going ahead which is which is you know a credit to themselves but without it what do you really have you know what i mean it's, it's been a saving grace for people that don't even people that don't even like horse racing know anything about it they still have a bet on the melbourne cup yeah. yeah. So all of those little bets generated through the bookmakers, which then they pay the gambling commission back to the government. So all of this comes full circle and it keeps it mm. all within a, an incredible economy. So I, I really hope it gets going. I, I really hope it's not the race that stops the nation. It's the race that starts this nation again. So fingers crossed. Yeah, I mean, I and that's not us you. being disrespectful to, to other jobs and other, um, I guess, areas of employment that are, that have been completely wiped out. I know quite a few of my friends that have been working for Virgin have all taken uh, voluntary mm. receivership, uh, receivership. <laughs> redundancy. Yeah, redundancy um, in the last, you know, couple of days. So it's like majority of my Instagram stories is just people that have been stepping down from that role. And I mean, you, you have a look at one job, and I know this isn't sport, but you've trained your whole life to be a pilot, to fly a giant 747 or whatever it is. Like a lot mm. of other jobs, I know I was able to change lanes a little bit and I've gone into an operations role when I'm not working in sport. Where does a pilot go? Well, the, the, you can't even uh, be in charge of a bus. So, you know, a pilot, he's gone from a massive job with massive payday and, and he can't even he can't even uh, be in charge of a bus. So yeah. it's, it's, it's sad and there's so many people who are out there who 
good people who, who just can't get a job. I'm in the insolvency sector and people keep on coming up to me and going, oh, you must be raking it, you must be rolling it. Well, no, not really, because the debt collection uh, industries fell on its bum a bit because of all the legislation that's in place around COVID. So if no one's putting any pressure on anyone, then it doesn't come out the other end. So, um, you know, everyone's, some large insolvency companies have only got, uh, you know, a couple of months of uh, of work and then it all, all ends. It's, it's a real, real tough time at the moment. It's going to be a lot of character building and uh, a lot of people really, really struggling. Uh, we're already in recession, so it's going to have an effect. Ah, well, but the thing is though, mate, we've still got sport and it's all coming That's back. Right. This is exactly. This is what we want to hear people's livelihoods are being lost and businesses are going collapse and that's a really really sad situation but no we've always got sport to kind of pull us through just that little bit and it really bloody helps it really and if you're an us. athlete I mean, you've got the world on a string, right? Because if you're in a bubble, apparently it doesn't count. And that didn't count for a couple of AFL players on the Gold Coast recently, John. Wow. I don't know if uh, <laughs> if anyone uh, heard along the grapevine, but there was uh, two AFL players. So the Gold Coast is um, a sort of, I guess, a halfway hub. So it's sort of where they go when they do their two weeks quarantine and they're doing it in the Mercura Resort. So it's all very lovely. Um, for some players and staff, it's amazing because they're able to see their families for the first time they're bringing the kids the wives um and partners and whatnot in um because obviously they've made this huge commitment to play the sport and what they're doing but two players that um obviously didn't have a partner and kids come to visit they decided to um pop out of the bubble and head to hollywood showgirls <laughs> What's Which, like, I, I lived on the Gold Coast for a while. It's actually not a bad strip club <laughs> if you're going to go to one. What, what, what is it? <laughs> Never heard of it. <laughs> Never heard of it. I, I wouldn't think you would have, Smithy. Um, be the outstanding gentleman that you ever have. Just Carlo and I. Hollywood um, strip. There's, re- there's reports one year that um, I was outside the line there after, I think it was Magic Millions. Oh, just not reports? True. Not true, yeah. you reckon? No, nah, you weren't in the back end. I was with you. <laughs> <laughs> Unless, unless this picture of video evidence, I don't know what you're talking about. Hey, remember we sneaked in the back way? <laughs> Are we talking room. about getting into We're the club? Smart. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Wait, no further du- questions, you're on Double back door. <laughs> Well, anyway, they uh, they ended up getting punted from the club and then got in a brawl outside, out the front as well too. Um, and there's been huge blow-ups from the AFL Commission saying that everyone's treating this uh, sort of intermediate hub as a bit of a party central. And, and uh, yeah, just AFL players. There was two, uh, I call them soccer, you call them football, but two football stars over in the, the UK. And That's they were, right. I think actually they were in Iceland and decided to start communicating with two female models <coughs> who I just, think is the stupidest target in the world because they're going to want to get their name in headlines and uh, next minute they broke the bubble the girls put them on Twitter and Instagram and it's now headlines and the two boys will not be playing for a fair while and not only that though Renee they've been absolutely hounded so Mason Greenwood plays for United you know Mm. came broke on the scene scored 15 goals last year and he made his debut for England he um, yeah the club has absolutely scolded him saying that is not what we expect and Gareth Southgate the England uh, coaches sent both Mason Greenwood and Phil Foden who plays for Manchester City sent them both home uh, with a tail between the legs so you know their, their clubs are not going to take this lightly and uh, yeah young kids being stupid I think <laughs> young kids being young kids they should know better I, I fully agree yeah. with that but what are they 18 and 19 or both yeah, 19 yeah, years old yeah. they're, they're, they're young lads they've you know they've all this success all of a sudden yes it's I, I, I think 
I remember the conversation when Lionel Messi was at Barcelona. Barcelona, and, he, and Lionel Messi was going off the rails. He was going out all the time. He was getting up to bad things. And what they did, what Barcelona did, they signed a, um, a more matured, seasoned um, Argentinian player. I forget his name. They signed him with no intention of ever playing him. No intention of ever giving him a game. All they wanted to do was get him, keep an eye on this Lionel Messi who was set to be an absolute superstar. Now, my suggestion is you have someone like that travel with the team. Don't necessarily give him the responsibility on themselves because time and time and time again over the years, somebody is fucked up. So just have someone there and their sole role is to keep these younger lads under control. Keep them where they should be and treat them like young lads because despite the money that they get paid... That's still what they are. Yeah, but the they're thing is, is these guys are literally locked up. So they're yeah. already like, back, like I, I used to work at the Titans and my job was like, it was a media and PR. So you'd normally have to look after the wash up of events. But these guys mm. are looked after. And that, mm. like, this was a pretty young days. Like, I think Twitter it was there, Instagram it was only just sort of starting to begin. But nowadays they have access on so many platforms and to be out of control players and athletes when they're being stuck in a bubble and the poor buggers like again this is uh, people who hate sport or hate anything about the idea of what players and athletes get up to when they first hit their straps they all of a sudden become the public eye you know women are tripping over themselves some guys are even tripping over themselves to to get to these players and it's just this silver platter of oh my god I'm a star and now I get to get whatever I want it's like Oprah you get some of me you get some of me everybody gets some of me (laughs) And all, all these players now don't get anything. Like, it's just, you know, they're sitting there going, I'm famous and I can't do anything about it. I can't actually run off it. And it was a, a first grader, a former first grader that was talking to me about it. He goes, geez, I feel bad for any of these blokes who are making debut this year because oh. they don't get to ride the, the, the same roller coaster that we did. They didn't get the fun ride in. Like, No, it, 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 it's so much harder now. And Carlo, you and I played when camera phones weren't around and didn't know all of this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Grassing, <laughs> grassing you up to media um, was the thing that you do. You, you never actually did that or ever expected anybody to do that. So I was, uh, I'm, I'm gobsmacked that people still, they, they know what it's like. They, 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 they understand what everything's like now, but they still allow themselves to get caught in these stupid bloody positions where <laughs> it's a chance that that could happen to them. Um, but yeah, I, I think all you can do is just teach them a lesson like that. Mm. Just, just say, this is well, how it is. They'll be taught, Chris. They'll be taught because I'm telling you one thing that that isn't forgiving is the journal, the journalist back in uh, the UK. So that you know they will get pulled all all, all over the hot coals. Uh, and again, you got to remember Mason Greenwood made his debut mm-hmm. against Iceland, and, and Phil Foden uh, started his first game for England. So you know it's massive. They're massive milestones in both both these players, and they, and it's just ru- it's just been ruined with uh, a lack of judgment. I hope they were worth it. How much worse is the media? So if you look at uh, I guess Sydney media all the clubs are quite scrutinised they sort of can't go anywhere or do anything without being completely under mm-hmm. a microscope players up on the Gold Coast and Queensland kind of get a little uh, away and a Melbourne. little bit with things Melbourne the same yeah especially if you're a rugby league player compared to an a- AFL player mm-hmm. what's it like over in the UK uh, athletes well and truly under the microscope are there oh. some certain teams or codes that can sort of get away with a little bit more or well I think Chris you're, I think uh, you've been in that line like with the media mm. down in the UK with uh, everything you've been through I think you're, you, you're the best to answer that one I think look it, 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 it all does depend what sport you're playing it all does depend well, not only what sport you're playing but what area that you're into so mm. if you're a Manchester United player then you're not really going to walk the street without people knowing who you are in Manchester or mm. with soccer being our number one sport or the English is 
number one sport, I suppose, then yes, that, that's a, a really stupid thing to do. Um, other sports are not necessarily the same. When I played at Leeds, it was it was pretty similar to that there. But um, I, I know the reason Sam Burgess wanted to go home was initially when he went to play for England Rugby Union, he was, he, he was sick of being scrutinised or under a spotlight everywhere he walked when he was playing at South Sydney. And he, he could just blend in. He missed England. He missed the fact that he had so much freedom. He missed the fact that he could just roam around and be able not harass him for pictures or for, for autographs or for whatever it was and he really had his freedom back and that was one of the things that he loved so it all does depend what you play but I can also understand why people think at some points they can be invisible you yeah. know and, and really have that, that little um, snippet of a normal life but it also and it also goes depends if you're if things are going well it's great but the journalists are so fickle you know the, the media is so fickle that mm. as soon as it's not going your way then wow they turn and they turn quick yeah. you know so it's yeah. it can be quite um yeah it can it can be quite debilitating really but um yeah it, it's it's probably like sydney times 5 Really, mm. uh, when it goes wrong, so it's uh, yeah, it's pretty full on, Renee. Yeah, I, I kind of like with the Sam Burgess thing. He would have been a, a little bit disillusioned with how much fame he would have had going back, or was it he was able to sort of blend into the background? Because I would have thought when he left, obviously he was probably lesser known. You know, he mm. was up and coming. He came here. He got blown up because of the whole Russell Crowe thing, and you know, he turned into quite a handy mm. footballer to then go back and return. Like I would have thought that he was quite. Renowned, even though obviously rugby league second or third or fourth or whatever it is, whatever yeah. pecking order it is. If you if you've got to understand as well, it's um, a lot of a lot of geography plays part in this as well. Northern England is a big rugby league capital, so Leeds, St Helens, Wigan, Salford, all of those areas where he was playing down at Bath, down in the south of London, it's all rugby union. So when he went back to play for. Um, for, it was it was Bath, wasn't it? He played for Bath and then for Bath, yeah. So Bath, Bath. Yeah, so that, that's that's down south. So rugby union is is their sport, but also it's soccer still just absolutely dominates and floods all eastern London. If he was yeah. playing soccer and he went to play for Chelsea or Arsenal or Spurs, he wouldn't walk the street. But the fact is, just a small population of South London that follow the rugby union that would have known where he is. That was what was very appealing to him. Yeah. He, he understood that. He, he enjoyed that. He wanted that bit of normality back in his life because he still. Still just a, a lad from from Bradford, you know. He's just a just a a, 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 a Yorkshire lad. The one, the one that likes the nice, simple things in life, as well as being a superstar on the pitch. So he actually took a pay cut going back to play rugby union. But part of the appeal was the fact that he could have a bit of a normal life as well. So he yep. he welcomed that. I don't think he was ever disheartened by that fact because that's what he really wanted. No, oh, and really to give his body a rest because he wouldn't really break sweat playing rugby union. <laughs> <coughs> there you go, Sasha. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta love it when Sasha's not here to defend him and he's his beautiful favourite sport of rugby union, although he sort of flicks between loving it and hating it this year. And uh, I think he's off it now again, isn't it? <laughs> Uh, well, uh, we've been talking about a fighter and we've been looking forward to this fight because it was meant to be happening in September, but it's now not happening until November now. It is the Mike Tyson fight. And uh, to give a little bit of credit to another podcast, which is probably just slightly better than ours, um, slightly more listeners, just, just. Uh, he jumped on with Joe Rogan and he, he was talking about how he sort of prepares and what he feels like and sort of the, the psychology of leading into a fight. Mm-hmm. And it was quite funny. He was he said that he, he sometimes... Uh, psychologically struggled, um, mentally preparing himself for physically hurting uh, an opponent. But it was the next comment that actually uh, raised a few eyebrows. He said, uh, sometimes the the feeling of inflicting pain actually aroused him. He said, it's sometimes orgasmic. (laughs) 
Fruit Loop. That's all I'm thinking of. Fruit Loop. <laughs> and uh, Rogan followed up and said, what, what, what does it mean? Like you, you fight and you get an erection. He said, well, that's how I'd get when I was a kid. Sometimes I'd get the little twinkle. <laughs> I don't know if any of you guys call an erection twinkle, but I found that. Nah, maybe Don King did. (laughs) I've never actually put like a big shot on on the rugby pitch and got up and went, yeah, I'm probably going to have to stay on my haunches for a second because I can't quite stand up. I enjoy that that much. (laughs) I I, I can't, I can't, um, no, I can't cooperate with that. I I don't quite get it. But then again, he wants to go out to really hurt people. Yeah. And look, it's one of those things. It's um, when you play an aggressive sport like rugby league or you're aggressive in a boxing ring, people expect you to be able to switch that on and off. Do you know what I mean? You go, right, you go in there and you'll be aggressive. You tear his fucking head off, you do that. But then when you step out the ring, you switch it all off and then you're this nice person again. Mm. I I, I don't think you can be extremely successful to the likes of Mike Tyson, the likes of some of these aggressive footballers and not be aggressive off the training pitch and out of the ring and and, and everywhere it's just got to be lodged in your DNA it has to be yeah but like I I, to a degree like I I mean you know I'm I'm not I'm not not on Tyson's level clearly but like if if someone asked me whether I'm an aggressive or I'm a fighter or like I've never had a fight outside of the ring when I'm in there it's it's really hard to explain so even at sparring that's because you're taught discipline though yeah yeah, 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 absolutely but when I spar I still really struggle um, and I get in trouble with my coach Ant all the time because he's just like stop saying sorry and it's really weird because I'm like if I'm in a sparring environment and it's meant to be a training environment for both the athletes I'm not there to hurt or you know win as such we're there to work with each other and work out how to you know get in and around I never sort of went a full 100% at a mm. sparring session where when I touch gloves in a fight it's different like I like I speak to all every single girl that I've ever fought in like in a fight I'm friends with I've, I've you know I, I sit there and joke with before and after the fight as soon as I touch gloves you turn back you come back to the ring and it's just bang it becomes this aggressive yeah. bit of chess never in my life if someone said oh are you gonna hurt them I'd be like yeah I'm gonna knock them I'm gonna knock them the fuck out like, Mm. That's just those words have never come out of my head. But tactically, yeah, if I can actually do that, that mm. will happen. I just can't say it. I can't. But, but you can differentiate uh, between training and an actual fight. You you you, you know the they're com- two completely different things. And generally, I suppose the people that you're sparring are people that you train with day in and day out. So yeah. it's completely different. Sometimes. It's people you know and you laugh and you joke with. And unless they, they bring sparring partners in from other gyms or whatever. Yeah. But um, I I I just find it like quite bizarre that. People expect you to be able to just turn it off and turn it back on. There's always yeah, got to be that Do you expect that, that they get aroused? <laughs> I, can't, I, I, I know, reckon, I've never I, seen I reckon you might. I reckon you might. If, <laughs> if, if, anyone, uh, if anyone here is, it's going to be you. Maybe you know during I mean? a wrestle, not during a party. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and... and uh, and as for you not having that aggressive streak, I remember being in Manly once and taking a sip of your drink and I caught one in the kidneys. That was aggressive. That was aggressive. <laughs> Better than the throat. Yeah, I was We had been on the beers since 10 a.m. watching a fight. There was, there was a little bit of, we'll call it twinkle then, shall we? <laughs> oh, there was a glow. There was a certain glow, wasn't there? It was one or the other. It's actually funny. Um, one of my former training partners, she used to be part of our uh, part of the group at the Grange, and she's now gone back to uh, her old trainer out at Castle Hill. I think um, you've watched one of her fights before, Smithy uh, Ebony Bridges. Yeah, absolute yeah, have, yeah. belter bird. She's she's not backwards in coming forward. 
Edwards. Um, she used to be a former fitness model, amazingly intelligent. Um, so she's a mathematics teacher. I just need to give you this background before I give you what, what what's about to come as well. Um, Jesus Christ, she can throw them. Like she, she's a power <laughs> puncher. She's a little pocket rocket. Um, and explaining her to people outside, as I said, she was a fitness model. model. She's got these massive fake hands, blonde hair, immaculately looking like just you wouldn't expect she'd be a fighter if you, if you sort of looked at her down the street. You just, now but, that um, arouses Carlo. Yeah, <laughs> yeah now that. he's around. He's, he's got, got the twinkle. He's got the twinkle. <laughs> but <laughs> so <laughs> this is where it gets funny. She started making about $1,000 a week uh, to a new creepy sales trend. Um, could you guess what she sells people? Um, to make this thousand dollars a week, gentlemen, I'm going to put it to the panel. What do you reckon she's selling? Um, the, 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 the first thing candles. What candles? Ca- mate, is is it is it something that's really going to throw us and it's kind of totally off? It's off super from creepy. Where we're thinking. No, it's no, no, super, super creepy. creepy. It's super creepy. I don't even want to guess. She's Go selling on. sex toys. You're saying sex toys, Carlo? Um, come on, this is a good game. Is a quick game. Uh, Actually, not, not all the time. Uh, drawings, paintings. I was going to say, oh things, my I was going to say, say the, say the first thing that pops into your head, but I didn't expect that. No, I expected. All right, I'm going to put cross. you all out of your misery. Socks, dirty training socks. Socks, like socks. worn socks. Is it like worn. a? Fender? You know, I've dirty heard this. I've socks. heard this story. I've heard. So this story. it ended up like someone contacted after one of her fights, and uh, she. It was from the UK, actually. One of you sick bastards um, yeah. contacted her and offered to pay her £500 um, for mm. a pair of her dirty training socks. So she sold it to him like as a joke. And then the story blew up because she she spoke about it in an interview. So it just sort of went like fully out of the, out of the, yeah, out uh, of the box. Everyone found out about it. And now she gets like internationally uh, international requests for everything from send, sending them a photo of her dirty socks on the floor to photos of her taking the socks off or sending them actual. She sold a pair of socks for $500 each to two different owners. <laughs> What? I bet. I, uh, oh, wow. <laughs> I have no words. I actually have I, uh, no words. Credit where credit's due. She's a belter. So they <laughs> I, have, I, have, I have a question. This punter that called her up, was it from the north or the south of England? Because this would answer a lot. <laughs> I, I wish I knew to that the end. <laughs> Can't be it, north. It wouldn't be north, would it, mate? No. 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 Wouldn't yeah, be north? Is that where you're both from, is it? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> AKA, you guys haven't bought any socks. Dirty socks this week. I can go and get you a pay if you like. <laughs> if they want to buy mine, they can. I'm up for yeah, selling those. Hey, jump in. Hey, as I said, the last four weeks she's made four grand. So uh, for a mathematics teacher who can absolutely punch with the best of them, um, she's actually looking to to head over and base herself over in the UK. So she's, she's definitely a fighter to watch at Ebony Bridges uh, for those playing along at home. Uh, go and check so her she's, out. She's, she's uh, going to save postage. She's getting... <laughs> I'll, I'll bring them to your front door. That's going to be two grand, though. I'm whacking the throat. She's just, yeah, she's literally going to walk them up to the front door, pull the socks off, um, and just hand them over on the spot. Maybe she could make some extra money if she does it in person. I don't know if I'd want to see the person who's bought my sock. I would. No. Fucking would. No. <laughs> no. 
Um, but while we're on the line of boxing, there was a, a bit of a signing during the week. We don't know when they're fighting, um, but Lomo and Lopez have signed. So it looks like we're going to have a little tango that's going on there as well, which is exciting, Smithy. Yeah, there's been lots of conversations about um, uh, is this fight going to happen? Teofimo Lopez came out and he wasn't. He was unhappy with his, his share of the purse. Um, Lomachenko, um, typical Lomachenko style, fears no one. He just said, well, I'll, I'll give you a slice of my purse just to make this fight happen. So it, they, they signed the contracts what looks like today or, or yesterday. They both put it on their social media. So it's definitely game on, which is great. We want to see Lomachenko back in there as soon as we can. Um, and and, and I, I don't really see what Lopez has that can stop him. I, I, mm. I, I honestly don't. He's, he's a very technical, very, very good boxer to your female Lopez. But as we've said many times before, Lomachenko is just a different breed. I think they, they, they broke the mold when they made him. So yeah. it's, 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 uh, it, it's, really, it's really unnerving to think that what's going to happen to your female Lopez. <laughs> Carlos what are your just thoughts? sitting there looking and going... Mm. I don't know too much about Lopez. Uh, obviously, Lomachenko, he's... He gives me a twinkle yeah, when I watch yeah. him box. Yeah. Yeah, he's unbelievable. <laughs> he's unbelievable. I think there's a lot of trash talk, but I think it's just trash talk to try and get Lomachenko to sign uh, half the time. I've never you know, seen just Lomachenko jump in on trash talk, though. Like, he's he's not one of those fighters. No, no but he must go, do you know what? I'm going to shut him up, you know, in a, in a yeah. quiet confidence. Mm. Uh, but it just, I think the other the other opponents are just trying to get the best out of him or a rise out of him. So he will sign the contract and go, right, well, I'll give him a payday. Mm. I mean, the, uh, what you don't want to do is rub him up the wrong way because when he gets in, there's, there's no hiding behind trash talk then. This, this is what mm, I no. find really, like, really amusing about boxers that trash talk and then they get in the ring with these fighters and they're like, oh, fuck, maybe I should have <laughs> given done. shit. Yeah, yeah. what have I done? Uh, oh my God, did you, have you been watching... Um, Brew Baker absolutely explode on Instagram. No, no. Oh my god! Like yes, last night I reckon I could have just sat on my lounge, popped my phone in the corner, and just ate popcorn as every single fighter in Australia was just exploding. So he he did a call out basically saying so he's technically ranked third behind Zoo. Uh, sorry, sorry, it goes. Zoo, Horn, Brubaker. Right. So then Daniel Lewis has come out and said, uh, so Daniel Lewis, for anyone playing along at home, he's been one of our um, Australian Commonwealth Games medalists. Uh, He's been an Olympic athlete. He's come through the amateurs. He's now gone pro. His nickname is Drop Bombs because that's exactly what he does. He throws bombs. Uh, I've never, if you ever watch anyone chop wood, cut down a tree, that is what Daniel Lewis does. He literally just chops you in the side and then see you later. Good night. I don't think many people survive I love that. That. That, His that Snowdome is hit. <laughs> yeah. Um, but so he's called him out, Tim, and he's got like, Tim can be the cash cow all he wants. I'll fight Horn or Zoo. Um, so. Daniel Lewis has actually beaten Tim through the amateur ranks quite a few times. So yeah. he's called him out and said, I don't want the cash. He can be the cash cow. I just want the fight because I'll beat him again like I've done before. So then wow. Brubake has come out and said, um, defending the fact that he was his third in the ranks because all these fighters have now come out and said the same, like, gone, well, you don't deserve to be third ranked. Mm. So then he turned around and goes, well, like there was one fighter, I think, I can't remember the name, it's really bad that I'm telling this story without remembering names, um, uh, 
said, oh, I'll have to chop off a leg to come down to fight you. So they're all putting it up on their Instagram stories, but tagging in Australian boxing. So, bo- sorry, boxing. Yeah, Australian boxing. So they just kept retweeting it, which then I wrote to them and I like just the little eating popcorn, you know, Michael Jackson, where he's sitting at the <laughs> cinemas eating popcorn. Yeah. <laughs> I was just like, this is so good. He goes, mate, our like Instagram messages have lit up like a Christmas tree. All the fighters really? are just trying to call him out and trying to get them to share the message to try and get all these boxing morale. It was quite funny. Wow. There was quite a few. If you, if you do yourself a favour, I'm pretty sure quite a few of them would be still on the story. Probably not for our listeners by Wednesday morning, but Smithy, get, get on there. It's so good. That, that could be my evening, that. <coughs> yeah. have, we, have, we heard, have we heard any news about Tyson Fury and Dante Wilder 3? Has anyone heard any news on that yet? I know there's I been some up. sledges happening from the top oh. from a man we just yeah. spoke about. Yeah. He's, uh, he, he's, he's apparently uh, activated the clause. Dante Wilder and the reason he's been so quiet through everything else is just because he's got his head down away from all the bullshit and his training and uh, blah 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 look all of these rumours how much you can believe is uh, you know it's it's for, for anyone to decide but mm. um, Tyson Fury's been everything but quiet you know with all the Covid <laughs> happening right he now he's, he's had his own face masks made up with um you big dosser written all over them which is what he calls Deontay Wilder he's, he's constantly coming out on his social media says I'll knock him out again um, everybody's coming out saying they want to train Deontay Wilder ahead of Tyson Fury fight and he says I don't give a fuck who trains him I'm going to knock him out again I've done it once I'll do it again so that, that whole conversation now that's meant to be activated but Mike Tyson was on Joe Rogan again and, and his, his frustration was pretty evident and he, and he wasn't hiding behind his words he said the fight that everybody wants to see that he wants to see that the world wants to see is the only one that's ever being spoke about that's Anthony Joshua and Tyson Fury and he said he's sick and tired of all the shit that's been spoke he said you two shut up talking about money and just fucking fight these were his words he said shut up talking about I don't give a fuck about money just fight if you really want to fight each other and you want to have this title of undisputed then you fight each other and he said you can fight each other three times twice two, whatever you want but you've got to fight each other it's time to stop talking yeah. about it I'd, I'd really yeah. love to know the insight on who's stopping this fight happening Do you know because there's all these conversations that Fury doesn't want to fight it he wants a ridiculous amount of money and then people say Anthony Joshua's management are stopping it all so I'd, I'd really love to know the inside of, of of who is to blame for this not going ahead well it, it can go ahead until the Wilder and, and Fury Three goes ahead. Well, Anthony so Joshua's got to fight Pouliev as well. Yeah, so, so the, them happen. two fights have got to occur. Uh, but then uh, it's clear roads in. Dillian White got knocked out by, uh, was it Yusuf? Pavetkin, Alexander Pavetkin. Pavetkin. Yeah, Pavetkin. So, Sweet shot. <clears throat> Dillian, Dillian White was, uh, yeah, he was earmarked, but now he's out of the way. So it looks like clean roads if they can get through the next fight. I think I think it's um, uh, the Lomachenko of the new heavyweight, which is Alexander Yusek. Uh, good mates with Lomachenko. I think he's potentially going to stand next to fight the winner of that mm. um, the, the only query with him is um, how he would go against the bigger men like that with him being one of the lighter heavyweights in the division well, again, you, Dan- thought, you, you thought that about Povetkin he only he only rolled in at 16 stone flat mm. uh, Dillian White was 18 and a half stone he had two and a half stone on him so there's a lot yeah. of weight but um, Tony Bellew called the fight incredibly well actually he said I heard Povetkin scream at the top of his voice when the punch landed when he knocked him out and he said and I've known Povetkin for like 10-15 years coming through the amateur ranks professional you never get one drop of emotion out of this man and he said and I mean ever he said but when he hit Dillian White with that left uppercut 
He said he knew that was a punch in a lifetime. He said yeah. he knew he was never going to land that punch again or ever has done before. And his emotion was just so hard to um, contain. He said he just launched at the top of his voice, yes! <laughs> and that's it. And, he, and, um, and he, he never got back up. He was out before he hit the canvas. Yeah, he was, mate. So, and then Dan, there's, a, there's another cracking young fight coming through with Daniel Dubois. Dubois, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, you know, the, the heavyweight uh, the heavyweight arena is just mm. mega with great fights coming through. It's going to be very exciting. How good exciting is it, though? Like, it's just like, it's, it's sort of we've been waiting for it for so long. So yeah. it's just, but well, we're going to wait for a little bit longer, obviously, because of COVID. But it's just, it's mm. exciting. I'm exciting. I'm excited where boxing's going. And as I said, even all the bullshit that we've, I just spoke about before with Australian boxing, with all the fighters calling each other out. And I, like, I actually hate it when they're not humble. Like, it pisses me off because I just, mm. I don't understand it. But at the same time, like, I'm excited. I want to see some more fights. And I think that the COVID crisis has strengthened boxing, like, Australians, boxers, because now they have to fight each other. There's no one can hide in Australia anymore. You can't go and fight all the, the Thailand yeah. fighters that they were bringing in and paying to come in before and, and, and fighters that don't really have much stats. They've got to fight each other. And they're, they're the ones that since they fought in the amateurs, they've tried to avoid and they've gone pro and they're just like, no, I don't have to, I don't have to turn up to a tournament and be forced to fight that bloke anymore. I can pick and choose. And now it's all of a sudden it's just like, no, 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 no. You can't Your hide. excuses are gone. The excuses yeah. have really gone. Yeah. It, it'd be it'd be wonderful to see Tim Zhu after he um really destroyed Jeff Horn. It'd be interesting to see where he goes next. Once the borders open and the fights can mm. can you know travel, will he base himself in the US? Will he go over to the UK? Uh, Campbell is. I've heard he's heard Campbell's on the agenda, isn't it? Luke Campbell. Luke Campbell. Yeah, uh, Luke Campbell's just signed. I think to fight Ryan Garcia. Yeah, he has. I, I, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not entirely sure if, if the contracts are both signed, but the conversation is um, Luke Campbell's next fight is going to be Ryan Garcia. And, and again, there's the usual trash talk then. Ryan Garcia, young kid, incredible speed, great punching power, very technical boxer. But Luke Campbell's, um, a, again, a step up for him. So this is this is going to be interesting. That's some nice trash talk happening there. Luke Campbell's just talking. Because uh, Ryan, uh, Ryan Garcia's talking about how he's going to knock him out, how he's going to pick him apart and make him look like a fool. And mm. Luke Campbell comes back and says, yeah, I remember my first big fight too. <laughs> yeah. well, that's, that's, well, well, you're right in what you're saying there. There's, there's one with... Uh, Luke Campbell's got a plethora of experience, and then mm. you've got uh, you've before got, Canelo. Uh, yeah, you got you've got yeah. Garcia who's just coming through, but he, he, one thing he doesn't lack is his confidence in his own ability. So I think that'll be an interesting fight on its own. So I, I, mm. I'd be yeah. We've got all these fights lined up. I just can't wait for him. Are you, so, you going to have the Michael Ty- uh, Mike Tyson twinkle? Oh yeah, I've got it. <laughs> Ooh. 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 Suits you, sir. What a visual. <laughs> what was the song you were singing for Zoo and Horn's fight? No, I'm not going to do that honey. again. No, 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 no. <laughs> honey, honey, honey. I'm honey. Let's move on from boxing. Let's talk about the fights that are happening in rugby league land at the moment. Did you guys think that Dean Young would get overlooked uh, to be the St. George coach? They've obviously just been a new appointment. I kind yeah. of thought he yeah. was... Yeah, well, I thought I thought it was quids in. I didn't think he did a bad job, to be totally honest. But again, the inexperienced against experience. But how do you get experience? Well, you've got to be put in them positions. So I think uh, everyone who speaks about Dean Young speaks with um, a very positive tone. I think he's he's definitely going to be a coach for the future. Even Brad Fittler said when he was in and around the the countryside and and the state of origin side. Yeah, he, you know he's got he's got ability. Even there was questions that were sort of they spoke to him because. 
beforehand with Mary, when he had to select a team, he had to go to the board and the board or, yeah. or the, a panel, I should say, mm. had to be part of that selection, which Dean Young was part of. And then they interviewed uh, Youngie when he went into the role and they said, will that happen to you? Will you have to go into this system and put your, your, your team forward? And he goes, no, they're giving me full rights of naming the team. And then all the other comments were that this is Dean Young's team to lose, to like yeah. to, to lose his coaching role yeah, and yeah, then yeah. to get overlooked and we see Anthony Griffin um, get named in as coach, I, I, I was really shocked. I don't know whether I've missed a lot. As I said, I was moving, my head was in the sand, mm. but I, I just I, I just felt like that was that was done. Well, funny enough, David Ferner was was another name throwing throw into that hat. Um, I think there was uh, there was Hook, Anthony Griffin, there was Dean Young and David Fern, and they all did interviews. Mm. One one of the most bizarre, one of the, again talking about board level, it's so bizarre that in this day and age that there is a selection committee that isn't headed by the, the head coach. Yeah, if you if you you're in charge of it, then you fall by it. Fair enough. But again, I've, I've been watching all the interviews with uh, Hook, and basically one of the main questions is. Will you pick your own side? And to be honest, he can't answer it. Yeah, he hasn't. He didn't answer it, and he, Which he's means not convinced. He's going to be me. back under the same stuff that that uh, Mary was under. Well, Basil Millward, uh, Ian Millward, who's um, you know he's the director of football there, uh, the Dragons, has, has got a massive say in what goes on. And, and again, from a coach's point of view, and having been in that situation you need the full responsibility now you know you do it differently you do have a leadership group which is a part of a selection committee but you're in charge of it yeah, yeah? It's, uh, St George is completely different you're just one voice of men mm. yeah, I just think it's bizarre it's crazy so will he be able to, to sort that out he just said oh I've not been through the front door I don't know if that's going to be the case but he didn't say no no I'll be picking my own side you would think you'd do that through an interview process wouldn't you yeah yeah, I, so I mean, it's a it's a tough tough gig down there uh, in any sense of the word. But I, I, yeah, I was as I said that that was something that sort of surprised me there. But um, the, I don't know if anyone missed the the big hits that happened on the footy field this weekend. But one bloke who I would never thought it was in his game to have that kind of uh, brain explosion was Chad Townsend's uh, shoulder charge on Kalen Ponga, who mm. looked like he approached the run in slow motion. And uh, with Ponga, he's someone you can never put into question. Even if he runs at you at 2Ks an hour, he can switch it on like that and break some ankles and all of a sudden he's going from zero to 100 in 0.5 of a second. Mm. In the opposite direction usually. Yeah, in the opposite direction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I still was really gobsmacked when because so, I was moving so I didn't get to see the whole game and someone goes did you see this hit and they like yeah. replayed it I was like <clears throat> who was that and they're like it's Chad not. Townsend I'm like bullshit hey. do, you, do you know though it bent him backwards however mm. it, if you watch it I've watched <laughs> it over and over again over and over again Caelan Pongas did a quick tap and there, you can see the referee puts his hands up as in to say oh no 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 stop no. But Chad Townsend's not even heard that and he's gone right through. So you've got force, stop force, and then Chad Townsend taking him clean out. And listen, it was a bad shoulder charge. Was it a sending off? That's the question. Don't know if it was a sending off because I don't think he contacted his head. However, I did think it was I did think it was a Simbin uh, offence. I didn't think it was a sending yeah, off. I, I, I struggle to see that as a sending off. It's um I, I think the referee's decision making in that is that when Chad Townsend made contact with 
with Pongo. I think he had both feet off the floor. So it's not. <laughs> he's, 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 he's jumped two feet off the floor, shoulder into the head. Oh, and, it was, uh, it was oh, massive. He, he he launched. He he actually launched at him. So um, I, I think a sending off is is a little bit tough. I'm interested to see what the disciplinary come up with now on, on the back of it. Yeah. Um, Were they? Because he's to um Ponga got interviewed after the game. He said he didn't make any contact with yeah, my head. I was like, well, yeah. I made contact with something. <laughs> yeah. He went well, was, what, five uh, metres backwards with his legs in the air. I was listening to Spud Carroll earlier on and uh, the, the conversation there was that they were worried about all the head knocks that the talented players, like the backs, like the Kalon Pongas are getting, like the uh, like the backs are getting. And and they're really starting to worry about that and the long-term effect. Spud Carroll said, ah, fuck, I want to see more of it. You know, like very typical <laughs> so Spud Carroll. Yeah, but um, it, it, it so it's becoming it's it's not off the radar. Do you know that they're reviewing they're reviewing things like this, and you wouldn't actually be surprised if you see the committee come down with a little bit little bit of a harder force just to just to try and prove a point. Really, it's like it, to hear players like Spud Carroll say that drives me absolutely fucking berserk. Mm. You look at players like Boyd Corner who sat on the sidelines for a, a good space of six weeks because he was having such severe headaches and concussion yeah. backlog and, and then you compare that. So on the weekend I'm back um, interviewing we, I'm back working with South Sydney in doing their corporate stuff. I'm really humbled. I like Mario Fennick is always in the room. He turns up. He's like a crowd pleaser. He's always happy. And it was the first time I've ever had to interview him. And his partner, his wife came up. She's a beautiful, beautiful woman. She's like, Renaud, because like, I made a comment beforehand. He was at the golf um, week that they had, a uh, golf day yeah. that they had. I was like, Mario's going to be up. He's going to tell some stories from the golf day. And I didn't even think about what I was saying. I knew he was there. The staff there had told me that, you know, he'd had a great day and there were some really good stories from it. And I went, oh, he's going to come up and talk about the golf day. She came up and she's like, Renee, like, I just need to let you know, like, you know, he's got really bad short-term memory. You should know that. And I was like, uh, look, I, I know to a degree and without being offensive with my language that I'm about to use, I, I know he's punchy. Like, hmm. you, you know, I know he's like that. And she's like, no, no, no. He will remember verbatim, even conversations that were had in the sheds from his playing games, but he will not remember a single thing that was just said to him at the table five minutes ago. He will not remember what oh. happened at the golf day. Yeah, He'll know he was there. Yeah, but that will be like the brunt of it. He goes, his short-term memory is so bad. And this is from a bloke who used to take so many hits on the field. Yeah. You yeah. can't tell me that a player like Spud Carroll sits there and gives all this information about, you know, these young backs, they need to harden up, they need to keep running, they need to do this, they need to do that. Shut up. Mm. Shut up. We, we do play contact sport and we're going to get it wrong from time to time. We're going to whack people. Yeah, but people are going to get whacked how wrong do you have to get it if I've got yeah. a bloke that I'm trying to interview, like, and not, not putting that on me, but that yeah. he can't remember yeah. that. The, the, well, is it, was it Frawley, the, the lad who passed away recently from the AFL, he donated his mm. brain and uh, there was there was massive amounts of CTE um, uh, that they recorded in his uh, brain biopsy. And, and again, you know, we, we need to do more on that because... It's not okay, uh, but the fact of the matter is, it, it's so tough. Like we we play a contact sport. Well, mm. you don't need to get hit on your head to to have a concussion. It, you know, the whiplash no. effect from a really big uh, contact can actually can actually give you concussion. Like I play in a sport that I, I, I compete in a sport that you know you're meant to get hit in the head. But I'm yeah. very mindful about how long I'm going to stay in the sport. I already have my like forecast mm. of how yeah. how yeah. many fights I'm going to do, and I said, and I'm even very particular in how much I spar. 
spar. So a lot of young fighters and fighters, they'll spar shitloads during the week. I'm, I'm mm. like, I'll spar twice a week. I do not care if that means, you know, you don't think perceive me as fighting enough, but you will spar, we can body spar. But mm. don't, I'm not going to get hit in the head 20 times a day every day of the week until I fight. That's just dumb. I mean, the, the way all this come about, about all the head knocks and the long-term effects of being hit in the head consistently day in and day out, if I recall correctly, I think it originally started the conversation through the NFL mm. and then it progressed through through the um, through the rugby league and, of course, boxing had to be included in that. Now, a question for you, Renee. Have you seen more corners throwing the towel in earlier than you would have ever seen before? And if so, do you think that's a result of all the results that are coming back from now? From the CT yeah, scan, I mean, Deontay mm-hmm. Wilder threw through his towel in. Um, he wanted to go out on his on his horns. You know, he he really didn't like that. Um, polar opposite, Jeff Horns corner tried sending him back out again. He didn't want to go, but they tried sending him back out. But you know, we're seeing a lot more yeah. towels being thrown in than I ever recall. Yeah, your- I I 100% agree with you. I mm. also think that we're we're able to see corners a hell of a lot more than what we used to as well. Mm. So I mean, there's a camera in every single possible angle that you can see where in other fights you might have seen a ref call a fight but in sense it what there was maybe a towel thrown in but I guess from a, a very glorified fight we would have known about the towel coming in so I'll rebut that a little bit um, but I know from a lot of the fighters that I see now I know my coach in particular um, Tommy Brown was a, a you know, a fighter was in the ranks there. Um, so he unfortunately passed away in the ring. Um, oh, oh. Uh, so he, he's been around that. And I, like, I know I am with my coach, I'm super safe in the corner. He knows, he knows all my ticks the way I sort of flick in between. And it comes down with a massive respect between the fighter. I think we're starting to lose in boxing. I think they're starting to clean up a lot of the, um, Old school ways, yeah, Yeah, in terms of um, the weight cuts now aren't as old. Like I put it up the other day, I was like, I got taught how to juice diet for three weeks, uh, sit in a sauna for two weeks and chew gum and spit in a cup to lose weight. And then for my profile, for the first time ever, I got a professional uh, nutritionist to write my diet. I was lighter than the girl that sat in the sauna spitting in a cup. Mm. And even things, simple things like that, you now start seeing the nutri- the fighters now use these nutritionists, which are now making them um, more hydrated going to a fight. Because in old school days, these fighters would deplete and lose all this weight and they would dehydrate. So they would yeah. sauna, they would have these cocoon bars, they would stop drinking or they would do water dumps, which are even worse because you go mm. from eight litres to zero in the space of maybe six days. Yeah. Um, per day, I should say, eight litres of water. And with, um, uh, sorry, and with, with- with all of that as well, you get on top of that the the um, the, the corner saw in the towel in early. Do you think there's a lot more pressure on the referee now? Oh, is that, is, 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 huge. The, 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 ref, I the think referees are stuffing. There's way more pressure on refs and the, and the corners in general because that, that that's now it's no longer the fighter died in the ring. It's the uh, trainer killed them. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like the the whole sentiment changed. Yeah. Well, the yeah. referee, the onus is now always on the ref. It's not the other fighter killed them. It's not the fighter fucking went into the fight knowing what he's going in for. Mm. That trainer should have known better. That ref should have well, known better. We we always, con- well, I'm going to go with the ref for stopping it too early is such an easy target as well, mm. which is, is, oh, yeah. is so hard because they have got <laughs> my, such my a decision. My ref, for example. No, well, yeah, that, that, was, yeah. That's an, that, that was a prime example because yeah. you, you said yourself <clears throat> and you're on the show, you know, you felt, 
fine. He didn't feel, uh, but he's he's got to make a decision. Like, and ultimately, whether it's the right decision. or the wrong one, whether it's the right or wrong one, he, you know, he's he's for. He's forced to make the best decision that he can, and uh, like you felt, you felt that you were fine to go on. It's it's, it's a hard. I one knew to I was fine to go on. Yeah, and it, um, mm. I mean, like, I get it. I get as I said, it becomes down to a responsibility. Um, first female fight that was put on uh, pay TV, so there's a lot of pressure in in that. But that comes down to every referee. Every referee is now, and every trainer is now even more in focus to control the life of an athlete, yeah. and that's a huge, huge burden to bear. Because as I said, it's now no longer the fighter died doing what he loved best. The fighter, mm. you know, there's that. It's now that trainer killed him. Like we we, we spoke about it last week, Rushton. Yeah. You know, yeah, he's almost yeah. killed his fighter how many times now? Like that was our conversations. Like I, that's not my exact quote of what we've said, but, you know, yeah. he's, he's pushed his fighter to a, a questionable amount of times where we sat here going, wow, you're in the wrong. And mm. that was actual, you know, career suicide doing what you're doing, trying to let him go back in the ring. And imagine that. Like in the back yeah. in the day, that was just like, meh. Normal. Expected. 15 rounds. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Crazy. Crazy. Yeah. We got off rugby league again. <clears throat> we we did get off rugby league again. We're, <laughs> we've had an already exorbitantly long show. Do we want to jam something in really quick? Because oh, we probably do need I, to wrap this. <laughs> can I say one thing? We're not going to talk about soccer. We're not going to talk about English rugby league. Was anybody else kind of surprised or really underwhelmed by the return of SPW. Did he did it? No. I, I felt like he looked like a chicken with no head. I felt like he chased absolutely everything. <laughs> He's in the middle, mate. He's never believed in the middle. I love that Sasha's not here for this right now. He overchased <laughs> it. He overchased everything like like someone who's never played in the middle. But wouldn't I, you though? Am I right? Like, what? And, and I'm looking at him. He's chasing down kicks and he's chasing. And within 35 seconds of being on there, he's... <sighs> We knew his match fitness wasn't going to be there instantly, yeah. but shit, I expected a fair bit more than that. And I'm sure a lot of the Roosters fans did oh, too. I, I didn't. I think, and I, I think I said it. I said, listen, I wouldn't be surprised for him to see 10 minutes here, 10 minutes there. Um, I know he did only 14 minutes in his first game, but he, he didn't play like a middle player. He played like an edge player who got put in the middle. He mm. was over chasing. I'm not joking that, you know, the, the Raiders could have turned inside a couple of times and actually went through a massive hole that he left because he was over chasing the halfback on a couple of occasions. But uh, again, you know, I think he'll be better for the run out and he's going to get better and better. But you can see, oh. you, you know what? You can see that he he's going to have an effect and I don't think he's going to play big minutes. I think, he, again, I think he was going to play 15 minutes here, 20 minutes there. And, and I think he he's more about looking around and going, do you know what? I'm playing with this this guy, and he just brings <coughs> he's, everyone. He's more else of up. a presence, isn't it? He's yeah, more of yeah, a presence than an impact. Everyone no, else no. Up. So, um, listen, I, I wasn't I wasn't surprised, <laughs> and I thought his contribution was little. But every time he carried the ball, he carried it well. Oh yeah, um, oh, they, they, they made they let it known that they wasn't going to get him off lightly with the first hit up that he took. They no. uh, they, they they came in at numbers, and he still managed to offload. So you know what I mean. The skills, the skills are still there for the old man. Yeah, so you, you still talk. Where, where you sit then, Smithy? Are you on the fence? Do you like or love him after the game? Or did you like or love his performance? Were you um, satisfied? I, I was. I, I expected. I didn't expect him to be the son of Bill Williams that we all know and really yeah. admire. I didn't expect him to be that. You've got to take in his match fitness is going to be off. His age is another um, is another query there as well. Yeah. Um, I, I did expect more. I, I, I expect. I suppose. I suppose. 
was the initial shock to me. I expected a lot more composure. Okay. I expected I, yeah. I expected him to be a, a lot more uh, comfortable in and around that area. I, I expected him to be a bit, a little bit more influential with with the things that he did. Um, and and I just I, I thought if anything, he would bring an even more calming nerve to an already incredibly calm, composed Roosters. Mm-hmm. But he actually flipped another complete another opposite. So it, it just really blew my mind. I wanted your opinion on it too. Well, I was moving, so I didn't get to watch much of the game at all. Have you, I'm, I'm going to send you my KO log and you can just watch yeah. it. <laughs> it wasn't even that. I didn't even get a chance. I was moving to like 1am every night. It was ridiculous. I barely even got to have a whiskey with my old man on Father's Day. So, uh, mm. By the way, happy Father's Day, gents. Oh, thank yeah, you. thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it was just a good weekend, a great weekend. Yeah. But uh, before we go away, but how unlucky is Kieran for it? <sighs> You gotta, yeah, you've got to feel for the man. How unlucky, Peck. or is he a bloke who's just absolutely put his oh, body man. under the line, yeah, underprepared, no. over like under rehabbed, under prehabbed in every single aspect, and just gone out old school footy player to play a game of the new school? Yeah, he just mm. doesn't deserve it. Do you know what I mean? He, he deserves a better God, ending no. than that. He, he, such a good bloke as well off the field, a, a champion, you know, and um, yeah, just to come back from his shoulder injury, then to tear a peck, it just go, you go. Oh, no, no. Well, is it game over for him? I think I, I think it has to be. You know, whether he's tough, I know he's tough, but I just think it's a bridge too far now. Mm. I, again, with the same interview we were talking about the head knocks before on Spud Carroll, that it came up in topic then also. And um, they asked the interviewer, they said, if you could pick Kieran Furn up now after all the injuries for um, the likes of three hundred thousand a year, would you take him? They said absolutely. Mm. He said, I, I, he said, I think he's one of the most underrated, incredibly skillful players that you're going to see on the park, and I tend to agree with him. If, if you can keep him in and around some a couple of like-minded players like himself with a bit of worldly experience that can really build up young players I don't think it's the end of him just yet if he can come back from mm. this injury um, to as close to 100% as it can possibly get I think he's still a really really valuable player said that the last injury though Chris putting back think, with Cherry yeah. Evans that partnership was the the best since both Wasn't those it? two have been separated they just both of them have lost a little like they're amazing players in their own respect but mm. that partnership was the best partnership partnership for those two yeah. in my opinion well he could be going back to Manly next year there's a big rumour there big <laughs> rumour but, for but, <laughs> but, is, is this yeah, one of the big rumours that you're just starting on this show now no are, no are you it's doing true yeah. does he absolutely do you know who else it? is going to Manly Sam Burgess <laughs> and Luke and Jula no no, no he's, he's, he's going to fight Tim Zoo next <laughs> <laughs> listen that was that's us. <laughs> that is yeah. absolutely us because we've hit over 60 minutes at the moment. But thank you mate, so much, boys. Uh, obviously, it was sad to not have Sasha here heckling it uh, Smithy no, it for his lockdown no, rules all not. night. However, Smithy, Carlo. Oh, Carlo, actually, it was amazing to hear your voice this week. Oh, thanks. Well, I was unmuted. I'm back. <laughs> Again, that's debatable, Ronnie. <laughs> no, and uh, Smithy, I hope your, your half an hour golfing range goes well every night. We do miss you and we can't wait to have you uh, up here when the borders close. Thank you, gents. Uh, really looking forward to again seeing you all next, next Tuesday. Tuesday. <laughs>